to Stock Talk Podcast, where topics are covered and questions are answered across all parts of the show stock industry. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Edge. Well, we're here. We've got a dynamic duo with Jordan and Maggie Ambergie with us here in just a moment. But before we do that, uh, let's just look into our own lives here just a minute. First and foremost, folks, I apologize. I am in the middle of a cold. I'm trying to fight. I uh, got back from Georgia, uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before, and going in that nice dry climate, getting back up here, got some junk in the lungs, and I just went back down to Mississippi, so fighting a, a bad cold. So I'm going to sound a little nasally. Uh, probably heard some hacking in this episode, so I apologize for that, but... Um, what were you doing to Mississippi? I was just getting ready Pretty to tell you. I judged a phenomenal show um, there in Jackson, Mississippi. Shout out to those guys. Um, an incredible group of uh, people. They were all very, very awesome. So Friday night, uh, Emily got to go with me this time, which was, that was kind of cool. Um, had a terrible time. Uh, we missed our flight and layover, our, our layover in uh, Atlanta. So we were delayed a couple hours, but we flew in there just in time. Um, pigs were incredible. Uh, got done at like 11 at night on Friday. Got back up the next morning and did showmanship and turned around and came home Sunday morning. So um, great group down there in Jackson, Mississippi. So got a couple weeks off. You got to see some humpies too, I saw via I, I did. There was a big... Uh, uh, I don't know if it, it was like a jackpot show as well or an expo of some kind, but uh, lots of Brahmins, bunch of eared cattle, uh, beautiful things. My gosh, I'm always amazed by them Brahmin cattle. So yeah, good times down there fighting this cold. So uh, I'm not uh, feeling sick during the holidays, but um, but yeah, dedicated December is among us, and we're about halfway through. Um, Still hitting that pretty hard. It sucks to travel because you take a couple of those days off. Mm. And um, today was it was a little tougher than what it should have been. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this, uh, folks listening, prepare yourselves for a bonus episode. Going to air next Monday. Yeah, buddy. Uh, our halfway point has come already and things are going swimmingly. I will say one of the members is looking quite distinguished. Yes. Uh, since going on a hard hardcore diet with with other things that we're doing, um, love to share that with you. But tune in for sure on Monday. And speaking of tuning in, Trevor, um, there were some things to tune into this past weekend that if you didn't get a chance to, I feel sorry for you. The OH Show Pig Circuit uh, had a couple shows there in um, Marion. Is that right? London, and it's London. technically not the OH Show Pig Circuit, but I'll it shows just, you what I know. Yeah, I'll just I'll just let you let you kind of mumble through that, bud. Well, I can mumble through it. You you Ohio guys know more about your Ohio circuit than us Indiana guys. Yeah, I mean our winter deal is separate from the summer deal, but it was a huge show. I think they said there were six hundred and fifty pigs. Yeah, uh, there in London, Ohio. Uh, we talked about it. It was the freaking Chris Holiday jackpot yeah so the reason we're talking about this folks is if you didn't get to see it you still have a chance walton webcasting was there uh you can review all of the classes which i so glad that i'm subscribed because i obviously was in mississippi so i missed the show and i was 
I was on there as much as I possibly could to watch some of my customers. But since I was flying, I'd miss some of the classes. But now that I've subscribed, I can go back in to the archives and listen to what the judges said. I've already Sweet. switched up some rations for the next couple of weeks here. So, yeah, Walton Webcasting was there. They did a really cool deal where they let some of the kids commentate. Um, I thought that was neat. That was really awesome. And they got to interview uh, on on Walton. So that was really awesome. WaltonWebcasting.com, folks. Get subscribed so you can not only go back and watch your game film, uh, you can have all of their past shows at your fingertips, plus all the really cool things in the know, on the road with Greg, uh, Dan Alive, there's a bunch of really awesome segments that they have. And, Corey, not to say too much, but we're, our partnership is growing oh, with Walton. Growing, so, growing, growing. We have a meeting tomorrow. That's right. I'm, I'm we have pumped. a meeting tomorrow. Very excited about what the future has entailed for Talk Podcast and Walton Webcasting. Um, folks, listen, it, it it's never too late to buy a genetic package to help your cattle operation That's get right. to the next level. And you know, there's a lot of things happening right now where you can do such things. And that would be on showcattleconnection.com. Folks, Show Cattle Connection is loaded with an experienced team of industry leaders that will help you sell your cattle and get them in the right hands. And I don't care if you're talking little hands or big hands because it takes the showman to show, but it takes the breeders to get them things into the showman's Uh hands. So make sure that you access their easy to use website that will allow you, the customer to navigate your sale quickly and efficiently. You should book a sale with show cattle connection today and experience some positive results. No, without a doubt, those people know what's going on Mm -hmm. without a doubt. Corey, I'm pumped to let these people listen to Jordan and Maggie. A little longer, but that's okay, because what we talked about was very practical. At the end of the episode, we started talking about what they do to make sure the ewes are good pre- and post-lambing. A little nutrition. A little nutrition discussion. A little nutrition. Uh, Talked about their lifestyles, how they work together. Um, So, hit them with it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado... I don't want to make this intro for Maggie and Jordan very lengthy. All I can tell you is they know their stuff. They're a young couple that has had numerous success, whether that be in the show ring or not in the show ring. Folks, they go together like peas and carrots. Introducing Jordan and Maggie Ambert. We have a duo this time, Corey, not just one guest. It is a package deal. We have Jordan and Maggie Ambergie with us. Um, as always, if you wouldn't mind, just tell us a little bit about yourselves, where you guys live, and what you do for a living. Um, so I'll start. Uh, my name is Maggie Ambergie, formerly Maggie Near. Um, grew up in central Ohio, raising club lambs with my family, and had a very active show career as well. Um, was involved in 4-H and FFA. My dad was a basketball coach, and when we were always involved in sports growing up, too. Um, and then when it came time to go to college, I went to Blackhawk East um, at Oklahoma State University, um, where I was on the livestock judging team at both of those. Um, graduated with an animal science degree um, at Oklahoma State, 
and I now work for Purina Animal Nutrition as a small ruminant technical specialist covering the, um, the eastern half of the United States. So that's kind of what I do now. Maggie, you really kind of skipped over Blackhawk pretty fast because that's where you got to meet the two fine gentlemen <laughs> you're speaking with. How could I forget? I'll get into that more later. <laughs> oh, there we go. Well, I don't sound near uh, that important, but we're going to try. Um, I'm Jordan Ambergy, Maggie's husband, obviously. Um, I'm born and raised here in Kentucky. And uh, for a big boy job, I'm in territory sales with Syngenta uh, on the crop side. And I own and operate with my beautiful wife, Ambergy Genetics. And we attempt to raise these show lambs. <laughs> I gotcha. So uh, there was a... There's a lot of things that we're going to cover today, uh, and we're excited to do that. So the last part, I might as well jump into it now. Tell us a little bit about Ambergy Genetics and uh, how it got started. Right. We, uh, I don't know, I guess in short, uh, I guess the best way to put it is a combination of two people with two totally different upbringings that are collaborating together right now uh with the same vision uh i guess for me i grew up in this deal in a little unorthodox way you could say and focus on the show ring side uh you know at a big level with my family and uh we were very lucky and fortunate to, uh, i think we had three of those big banners at a national stage and uh 11 state fair champion in a reserve market lambs here in kentucky and uh you know to kind of highlight maggie uh, I think she balanced, uh, like we, like she said in her intro, a little bit of everything from the show, show ring aspect, to raising show lambs with their family, to uh, competing in the judging circuit, and we just kind of blended our ideas and uh, the passion, and are currently trying to uh, give back to the industry that's been so good to us. But I guess uh, to get a, a better timeline in depth uh, to how we got started. Uh, I'll take you back to 2011. Uh, I graduated college and moved to Fort Wayne, Indiana for a job, uh, which is about an hour uh, away from the Michigan-Indiana border. And I was there for uh, four years until 2015. And during those four years, uh, bought a handful of ewes here, there, and everywhere. And I think I had ewes spread out across the country, kind of mooching off my parents farm and some of my best friends farms uh all across that were kind of housing those used for me when i really didn't have the uh facilities for those uh and then that moves us into 2016 and i moved back home to kentucky and you know i kind of had the mindset we were either gonna make something out of those used i'd been buying and purchasing over the course of those four or five years or i was gonna get out of it uh but luckily, you know, I made the right decision, I think, and uh, kind of put the best foot forward and tried to see what we could build and shake out. And then I think that brought us to 2017. And uh, I got pretty lucky to uh, tie into Maggie and I get to enjoy and uh, talk sheep with my best friend on the daily basis that shares the same passion for the industry that I do. And uh, like she talked about, and I kind of uh, highlighted it a little bit um that her and her family were raising show lambs there and uh when she decided to move to here to central kentucky with me and kind of start our life together uh i think she had handpicked out some ewes that 
she trusted the the pedigrees and, and the U families and those to kind of for us to incorporate and build on and see what we could work out uh, with those. And she brought those to Central Kentucky, and uh, that led us to 2018. And uh, yeah, you know, I think we were engaged at the moment, right, Maggie? And uh, my parents kind of uh, threw us through a little high and inside curveball, if you will, uh, and just kind of asked us like, Hey, you know, we're done with the farm. Is that something you guys are interested in? And we were like, you know, <laughs> I think we were like, yeah, maybe 15 years down the road, but we're, yeah. we're, we don't, we don't want to be, uh, adults on that scale, but you know, Maggie and I kind of left that little conversation like, you know, Hey, you know, we either need to add to the fire or put the fire out. And I, uh, we were just so fortunate, fortunate to be in, uh, I guess that shape financially to be able to do that and have the support from both of our parents. So, uh, we bought the farm that I was raised on and, uh, without getting into individual genetics or sheep specifically, uh, that's how our operation kind of got started and, uh, established. Now, Jordan, you tell an interesting story because you moved, to a to a state that was probably a little bit better known for basketball than the one you came from. Um, I, I'm not sure I understand what you're talking about. <laughs> to be honest, uh, you know I'm talking about the forefathers uh, of basketball, um, really probably being uh, in the Midwest at least from Indiana. So um, I really, really just wanted to let you rip the bandaid off for Trevor real fast um, about his team losing, and then I could reverse and say that, you know, little Indiana school took down your Wildcats? Uh, you know, Corey, I know you and I uh, talk basketball quite a bit, and I told you I, I didn't want to talk to Trevor uh, because, you know, we play Ohio State. How are you feeling, How are you feeling about that now, though, since they lost? You know, I, I was feeling very confident before yesterday's game, but I really – hate when a big team loses right before we play them because you know they'll get their x's and o's and have a little bit of extra motivation so i it could be our achilles heel but i'm just gonna be honest i i don't think ohio state's very good at, at basketball or, or football oh so my I, I think as the saying goes cats by 90 <laughs> and that's where my father-in-law turns off the pot or his father-in-law turns off the podcast <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> the jabs have been thrown all right wow. yeah. you lose one game I, and all I, of a sudden i just always try to speak the truth especially in sports and that's just how it came out <laughs> i would say there's about as much politics in sports talk as there is in showing livestock so oh there's uh, more I think. <laughs> <laughs> gotta be gotta be uh so you know you talk about you guys growing up the a young couple uh in the industry and and what's so cool to me is that you guys have kind of built this amber genetics uh from blending two ideas like you mentioned earlier so um how did you guys kind of the last really couple of years you got moving at a pretty quick pace you had a high selling weather at midwest elite um and you guys have placed some sheep in homes and raised some that have have been successful. What are some of those challenges and opportunities you've seen over the last few years uh, in your operation? Uh, yeah, I guess to hit the point that talks about how we got moving at a quicker pace, I guess I'm going to chalk that up to uh, two different bullet points. And I think first and foremost, the uh, when Maggie and I got together, you know, I know it's kind of sounds cheesy, but you know, anytime when two people, 
try to do something special. I think you got to have two things and you got to be compatible with each other and have the same vision going forward. And, and I'm telling you, I, I, <laughs> like I said, it, it sounds cheesy, but uh, we may have disagreements, but there's hardly very few that goes on when we talk about sheep or ideas about what we want to do, uh, especially when it comes to our idea of those elite ones and the kind we want to raise. Um, I think it's uh, pretty neat to, to see our eyes go the, the same direction and our brains work with the same uh, functionality and nuts and bolts to, to have that success or the little success that we've you know had so far. And, uh, you know, for me, you know, I, I've never had to explain any kind of uh, breeding decisions or my ideology of uh, what a good one looks like or, you know, why we need to buy this or why we need to breed to that or why we need to go here because, uh, you know, uh, I've got a teammate that, you know, 100% always uh, sees and respects uh, my ideas and uh, I couldn't ask for more. And, you know, I have never had to uh, say, hey, I'll do laundry for a month if, you know, uh, we we can buy this donor or, you know, if you let me breed to this one, you know, uh, I'll mow the yard five times a day if that's what it takes. And, Man, that'd be nice. Maybe I should start doing that. Right? Yeah, I was going to say, let's hear the other side of the story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, what she knows I bought, you know, really, you know, she, she doesn't have to know, I guess, but, you know, I'm, I'm playing. But I guess another uh, thing that I really think, you know, a lot of people can attest to and, you know, Corey and uh, Trevor, I know you guys work, you know, in, in different industries, but man, I'm telling you the AI and ET accessibility for us and as well as other folks around the country has just really spark plugged and uh, kind of bounced us in the right direction and uh, to have access to the best genetics in the country and, you know, grow the you families you want uh, and build off the genetic lines that you want to expand and go forward with. Uh, you know, I don't know if you want to call that technology, but I think the innovative ideas as far as where the industry's uh, at and, and headed in the future, I think uh, it makes uh, for a very good thing going forward. And I don't care if we're talking about the, the show pig side of things or the cattle world or, or the goats or the sheep, but, you know, I'm going to chalk a lot of uh, what we're trying to do up to the success we've had with our AI and ET programs, uh, you know, and, and I know other folks out there are, are having more, uh, a whole lot more success at a rapid pace than we are. But uh, for our vision, I think that's really helped us going forward. Yeah, uh, uh, there's a lot that surrounds that question. Uh, obviously, working with somebody, rather it be your significant other or not, uh, it can be a challenge. <laughs> Uh, but it sounds like you guys have kind of mastered that. And to kind of parlay off of that same question, uh, do you guys have like a specific area of, of the farm? Like, hey, I want to do the lambing barn and I'll do the these chores, you do these chores. Or how do you make it so successful where you're you're happy in the barn and in the house? Ooh, you know, question. You know, I'll, I, you know, I've got to talk about the challenges. I, I kind of rambled and forgot the, the second part of your question, but, uh, you know, to, to really throw into what you guys just asked me as far as our divide and conquer process, uh, it's, it's no question that I let Maggie handle the nutrition side of things because, 
uh, with her career and, you know, her educational background and, uh, the data that she sees day in and day out, I, I couldn't even fathom to come close to, uh, even being remotely smart enough to, to do what she is doing. So I just, uh, we both kind of agree that obviously she needs to, you know, take that under her wing. And, uh, I think we've had a great deal of success with, uh, implementing the right kind of nutrition into that. And, you know, I think she can say that she kind of lets, you know, me decide on the, the breeding side of things and, uh, the, the purchases that we're trying to, to get after and kind of networking. I, I think, you know, me being on the phone as, as much as I can, or as time as allows, I think, uh, she'd rather see me do that versus uh, putting that in her daily schedule. So we just kind of have this divide and conquer uh, process that we we try to go about. And what's what's kind of cool about that is it's stuff that we enjoy. You know, I necessarily don't like the nutrition side of things. Uh, I think that's way too complicated for this Kentucky hillbilly. <laughs> uh, but you know, Mag- Maggie thoroughly enjoys that, and uh, I think you know, seeing her interest in the barn that really. Uh, uh, it's neat to see. And I think she's got something she'd like to hammer on. You know, both having very demanding, um, day to day, eight to five jobs. Um, it, it becomes a challenge, you know, where, um, people who are operating on a larger scale have all day to dedicate to, you know, treating things that need to be treated or doing chores or, you know, just those little things that in the barn that are kind of demanding, um, so kind of in that regard, you know, we, um, I mean, just wherever we need to fit in and, and, and do, um, we just do it. Um, you do what needs to be done. And, you know, if I'm having a couple of late days at work, you know, there might be a stretch of four or five days where I just possibly can't get to the barn. You know, I'm traveling, um, need to, to be in the office doing things. And so we never question like, Oh, you didn't do chores yesterday. Like, you just see, um, you just fill in where you see fit, um, mm-hmm. and, and make it work. And, and, you know, to, to kind of echo what Maggie said about the challenge that, you know, Hey, this isn't our nine to five that keeps our lights on in our house and, you know, pays off our farm. You know, we are both traveling, we're both in sales. And I know, uh, you guys are experiencing what it's like to, to have, uh, uh, priorities elsewhere other than the show stock world. Uh, but that's, you know, kind of what makes it the challenge for us, but it's also uh, maybe our biggest blessing because it aligns with our vision so mm-hmm. much uh, because by doing that, we're not able to give, you know, 12 hours a day to every, you know, piece of livestock on our property. And what that enables us to do is keep quality at the forefront. And I can promise you the use or, you know, the, the babies that we have are, are, are there for a reason. And that's because, you know, we have to call hard, you know, there's, mm. <laughs> there's, there's, there's females that live, leave here that, you know, we probably don't need to sell and are off you lines that, you know, we just spent a little bit of money on that we probably need to give a chance, but you know, the, <laughs> it, it it, it's a curse, but it's a blessing because it, uh, instead of getting carried away with numbers, it's helped us uh, to keep quality at, uh, at an exclamation point. Yeah. Some of my, uh, some of my biggest mentors, um, would always say, you know, quality over quantity and rather if you have two sows or 200 sows, there's one that always sucks. <laughs> so there's one, that, 
there, there's one that could always go. Help. You just keep her around just because there's whether it be a sentimental value or whatever. But um, you know, I I I test that to Mike and Jim McCoy. That's one of their sayings. You have two sows or two hundred sows. Uh, one always needs to go. So, um, but hey, speaking of mentors, uh, this is a question we we kind of spread out through uh, many different um, listeners or, or guests that we have on here. And we like to know where they kind of got some of uh, some of their thoughts and and admirations from. So, uh, to you guys, I'm sure you have separate ones, or maybe there's some that uh, you can both see as mentors. But what were some of the mentors and breeders that got you involved over the years and helped you become just as passionate and successful as you are now? Uh, that's a loaded question, um, and you know, it's like when someone wins a Grammy and they're up there on stage trying to remember every single person that yeah. helped them get to where they are today. Um, you, you know, you're going to leave somebody out. Um, but you know, just thinking of the highlights, um, for me, obviously, um, my parents and my sister, I wouldn't have the opportunities or, you know, anything in life without their support. Um, so you definitely, um, you know, you got to thank them for all that they do. Um, and then as far as like breeders, um, for me, you know, Dean Cavan, um, the Amstutz family, the Devitt family, um, all when, when I was growing up, um, showing sheep. Um, and then obviously, um, Dan Hogue, Blake Bloomberg, my, my coaches, um, through college. And then also, you know, I've, I've got to give a shout out to, um, those who I've been lucky enough to call my teammates, um, through livestock judging, um, especially on the collegiate level. Um, because there's nothing like being surrounded by 15 to 20 people in a van or in a bus, um, who are so talented and passionate about, um, their industry. Um, you know, they really force you to level up and become the best person that you can be. Um, and so I would say that they have definitely stirred my passionate drive and competitive spirit. Um, and that's something that I take with me, um, every day in my day-to-day, um, job and life in general. Love that. Jordan, what about you? And I guess, you know, I uh, I don't want to sound like a broken record by any stretch of the imagination, but, uh, you know, to sit here and just make a list of uh, people that have influenced me, I, I mean, you, it would probably look like a roll of toilet paper unraveling just <laughs> as far as, a target you know, receipt. people that, oh, exactly, exactly. I've seen my fair share of those, right, Maggie? Especially around <laughs> Christmas time. <laughs> and, uh but I don't know, like Maggie said, you know, my, my parents and my family, I'm telling you what, they put up enough with my crazy ideas and stubborn ways. Uh, but they've, I, I credit everything to them for just giving me the tools and capital. Uh, but most importantly, uh, a backbone to, uh, be successful, uh, in the long term. not only, I, I guess in the livestock industry, but, uh, in the game of life. And that, that matters the most to me. Uh, but I guess, you know, when you get to the nuts and bolts of it, I, I guess looking back to, you know, where we started, I credit a lot and I, I tell him all the time, you know, the, the Mike Hancock family down here, uh, in Eubank, Kentucky, uh, man, I, I really think I, I was the most competitive person that I probably ever encountered before I, before we started showing livestock, but what him and his family did for me, as far as, uh, making me that ultra competitive person and having that fueling that, that nature, that's probably, 
uh, a little extreme, <laughs> uh, sometimes, but <laughs> I'm telling you what that, uh, family's done, uh, just as far as pulling that competitive nature out for me is, you know, there's not a price tag on that. We're talking about a guy that, uh, you know, Trevor, I, I, I know you're not necessarily a sheep person, but, uh, tr- you know, this is showing against a guy that, you know, was raising sheep that if he had a bad year, you know, he was hanging five state fair banners and, uh, you know, in, in 2005, which, you know, was a little bit before, uh, your guys's time, you know, he had ultra and leverage in there. And I think he cracked off, you know, 12 state fairs and shot down five national shows all in 365 day calendar year. Um, and you know, Mike's been so good for as competitive as we were against each other. He, he kind of took me under, you know, his wing and, uh, taught me then and outs about, uh, you know, raising sheep, showing sheep and, you know, for as competitive as we were against each other, uh, we had nothing but the utmost respect, uh, for each other at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, that, uh, and it was then where, you know, we, we had to compete against him and, you know, we reached out to, uh, some of the sharpest minds, you know, I think in the country and, and there still are, you know, guys in Indiana to, to Texas, to Iowa, to not only, help reach our goals in the show ring but you know for me personally they helped develop my mold and uh thinking of what a champion needs to look like and you know my mom has always been very adamant uh on a particular saying that says you know if you see a turtle uh sitting up on a fence post somebody had to get that turtle up there (laughs) and you, you know those people have always uh you know been in my corner and uh, these are the same folks that have always encouraged me to step outside of the box and uh, really kind of kick me with their foot to get out and judge some of these bigger shows I've been lucky uh, to do today. And, you know, from the breeding side of things, you know, what we're doing now, uh, man, I, I'm a firm believer you've got to be a sponge in this deal and just soak up all the knowledge that you possibly can and just try to learn a little bit from everybody you come in contact. And there's folks uh, that I think are the sharpest minds out there, folks from Pennsylvania to Texas to Colorado to Oklahoma to South Dakota that I always enjoy visiting with and kind of implement each and every one of their ideas and what they're doing at home and try to incorporate it uh, to what we're doing here in central Kentucky. So uh, I know that was kind of a, a vague answer, but, uh, you know, that's kind of what helps spark, you know, my thinking anyways. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, it's it's crazy to think about all the people that that come you you cross paths with over a course of time, and and uh, I'm a firm believer that your mentors change too um, over time. You know, yeah. some mentors come and go, some stay with you forever. Um, but yeah, it's a it, it's a crazy business that we're in to to be able to network with people all across the country to to help you get to where you want to go. Um, so, with that being said. Uh, Trevor, let's jump into a little bit of a segment we like to call Topics from a Hat. Topics from a Hat brought to you by Fierce Threads. The only apparel that we get comes from our good friends in Texas there at Fierce Threads. Fierce Threads is your number one source for high quality screen printing. Screen printing. Oh boy, what a day. (laughs) Screen printing and embroidery. Put your business success at the forefront and upgrade your apparel today fierce threads mark and jenna stanley i apologize for my poor enunciation that's all right but we so love you anyway some thanks, days thanks. we can read some days we can't so our <laughs> so, listener topic if you want to nail it Corey, go ahead 
I, I, I will, I will nail it. See if I could redeem myself. Uh, mostly because this one comes to us from a longtime listener, been with us pretty much since the inception of Stock Talk. Uh, Mr. Bill uh, sends us a, a Facebook message asking our thoughts on light and heavyweight uh, weight limits at shows. So he says uh, you know, he's a fan of no upper weight limit, but wants to get our point of view on what we think uh, and how those processes should work. At some of these shows, um, I will let the Ambergies touch on that first, and then uh, we can share our thoughts too. Well, I guess since I had the phone from the last question, I guess I'll hit on this first and let Maggie uh, share her opinion on that. But uh, you know, I know she comes from a state that she'll, you know, probably want to talk about where they do have a weight limit, and I forget what it is. Um, but, you know, being able to judge some of these bigger shows and, uh, you know, some of these state fairs that, you know, there's the elite one after elite one. And I look back and, uh, you know, when I judged Iowa state fair, you know, two years in a row, I think both my reserves were, you know, respectively a 122. And then, uh, that second year, I think my reserve was 119 pounds and, uh, go to Illinois state fair where, you know, the Titus families. Uh, one that wins under me was 121 pounds. And, uh, you know, I, I think too many times, you know, I always try to relate everything to real world uh, situations, you know, and it's no different than sports. It's uh, anytime you put limitations or a glass ceiling on what you can or can't do, I think you're setting yourself up for failure. And, you know, I, I correlate this a lot to, you know, I'm, I'm a basketball person, you know, uh, what if a guy comes in and says, hey, we're only, uh, playing man-to-man defense from the the start of the jump ball till the final buzzer ends, and uh, you got a big guy coming in there and just eating your guys' lunch, you know, scoring at will in the post, and, and you got a guy that you know won't change that up and go to zone defense. Well, that kind of limitation set yourself up for failure, and I kind of agree with that on to some degree uh, on the weight limits, not just for me. You know, I've heard my wife give me a hard time that you know a sheep with a heartbeat is big enough for me to use. So, you know, that's probably true. Uh, that's probably true more times than not. But I think to, to answer your question, I, I think when you start putting limitations on uh, what a guy can or can't do, it'll start, you know, manipulating uh, what their idea of a good one is and start uh, putting limitations on, you know, their final decisions uh, at the end of the day. So I, I think Maggie's wanting the phone and kind of to touch on, on this a little bit. Yeah. So, um, I grew up in Ohio and in the Ohio state fair weight limit, you know, um, for the majority of my career was 135 pounds. And then they eventually moved it up to, um, 140. So really that's all I've ever known. Um, oh, so they, they put an upper weight limit on is what you're saying. Yeah. So I think like, um, I had a couple of years left and, um, enough people had, I don't know if complaining is the right word, but enough people had had voiced their opinion um, to get that change to uh, give them five more pounds at least. Um, so it, it's now 140 um, still, I believe. And so that's all I've really ever known. Um, so when I, you know, started getting out, um, you know, going to college and realizing that these other state fairs had like, that was their lightweight division. I'm like, well, wow. You know, Um <laughs> And so, you know, at the end of the day, a good sheep's a good sheep. Um, and it's all, it all comes down to one man's opinion on each given day. So 
I agree with Jordan. Don't put limitations on it um, because, you know, I, I bet you there was a lot more, um, you know, people who got thrown to the heavyweight division at Ohio State Fair when they didn't make weight um, and other different things. Um, but at the same time, it, it puts a new challenge on, on those people who are still competing in Ohio. I think it's so hard to get one um, mature enough and and fresh enough to, to compete at that Ohio State Fair level where your uh, highest weight limit is 140. So um, that's an art and a craft. You betcha. And you touched on something that I wrote down and wanted to touch on too is, is fresh. You know, big isn't always good. Uh, sometimes they can get a little deep bodied and overcooked. And um, if, if they're big and fresh, uh, then they've got somebody behind them feeding that one that knows exactly uh, how that they need to handle it and such. And, and, you know, I come from the pig background and we have those way backs and weight limits, obviously, that we have to to keep within. And uh, you kind of hit it right where I was going, Maggie, where, you know, if, if they keep them, if they keep them livestock really across all species, if they keep them fresh, no matter what the weight is, they, then, then they've accomplished a goal. So, um, to get to, to Bill's topic there, I think it's an interesting point to, to bring up because if they're big and good, then that you've got more of, of something, um, that, uh, that should win, uh, if they're big and, and, uh, soft and overdone and mature, they probably won't do well anyway. So, um, you know, weights, weights, it ultimately puts you in a class, uh, of similar kinds. And then from there, the the ESTs, the freshest, the the uh, the standouts should win. So interesting concept. But yeah, we uh, Maggie and I come from the same state where that's kind of the norm. And you get you get outside of that, and it's like, wow, we're in uh, the second division <laughs> here, and they're weighing uh, one forty five, one fifty. <laughs> right. It's uh, it's interesting to me uh, that this topic gets bring up because there's different species obviously i think could potentially have different views on this Mm -hmm. um i mean if i'm judging a bear show and i've got you know four or five classes of 300 plus pounders like just not necessary right Uh, and 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 i think from that from that standpoint like i get that that we're in the show ring and we're not relating things holistically to like real world market livestock uh anymore like they used to, but at the same time, some of that stuff makes you scratch your head. Like, you, you know, good and well that a 340 pound barra does not need to be winning bear shows. Um, but, you know, there was a point in time where I went up and I judged a show um, in a state that, you know, you Ohio people tend to leave the M out of. And, you know, there was several classes that walked through the ring that were 320 pounds plus. And, you know, is that Michigan, Corey? Yes, it, yes, it was. And, okay. uh, <laughs> and, uh, Michigan, right? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's just, you know, there's something to that. Now, do I also think that, you know, 170, 180 pound market lambs are realistic? I, I don't know. Is it realistic to say that ones can stay fresh that long or at that weight? I, I don't know the, the answer to that question either. Um, I, I think, you know, the discretion should be up to the person judging in the ring and not to the committee uh, setting weights. How's and I've always been under, I don't mean to interrupt you, Corey, but no, no I, I, I've always 
tried to go into these things, you know, with a positive mindset that these good ones uh, on those big stages uh, or these, those elite ones, I guess I could say, um, they can come in any shape, size, mold, dimension, color. Um, and we can't put parameters on what our idea of those elite ones are, because once we do that, we start backpedaling, uh, you know, as an evaluator at shows. And then once we start doing that, uh, maybe the industry follows, uh, the footsteps of a judge's opinion. So, uh, you know, I, I know I hammered on it, you know, pretty quickly, but when we start putting, uh, limitations or, you know, preconceived concepts of, Hey, I'm going to stay in this window of weight, uh, regardless if the best one I've ever seen comes in that walks on water and he's 110 pounds or 190 pounds. Uh, if we don't use those best ones, uh, we're not doing the industry a very good justice. So, well, uh, or we're not some livestock, good... so some livestock aren't meant to be, you know, 160 pounds or some livestock aren't meant to be 120 pounds. You know, it's whatever, whatever weight they look best at. And, and I agree, we should probably limit what they are. Hmm. Interesting topic. Thanks, Bill. Uh, I know you're listening. You've probably listened to everyone. Uh, he's what we call an OG. So he's, OG. he's been there from the beginning. <laughs> A leader in diesel performance. That's right. Fleece Performance Engineering, if you haven't paid attention to this part of our podcast by now, you should. We're going to take a break in the action because you need to check out their complete lineup of drop-in cheetah turbochargers, power lift pumps, injection pumps, and more for your Cummins, Duramax, or Powerstroke folks. You can learn more about their great products at fleeceperformance.com or you can visit their new facility in Pittsburgh, Indiana, just west of Indianapolis on I-74. Use promo code STOCKTALK for 10% off your purchase. We are, in a, we are in a cold season for diesel trucks. Keep those things tuned up in this weather. Thank you very much. Back to the show with Jordan and Maggie. Uh, I want to get back to you guys, and this is a, a topic that uh, we wanted to touch on, is that you guys kind of came from uh, different backgrounds as far as livestock judging jordan you kind of took the non-traditional path and maggie went through the judging team route uh you know this was a hot topic in the internet a while back but let's dive into that conversation about how you both are different and you've got obviously high level credentials but you were not the same path that you took to get there sure um you know i think that's something that's pretty unique to look at um both in what, um, where Jordan's path has taken him and then kind of, you know, where I come from. So in high school, uh, my freshman year is when I started livestock judging and, and immediately got hooked. Um, my sophomore year, we had a new ag teacher um, that didn't really have time to dedicate to um, being our livestock judging coach. You know, she had a lot on her plate. So um, that's when I kind of put the team on my back and started recruiting people to get involved in this uh, livestock judging um, thing. And, you know, we come from a good livestock county, Champaign County, Ohio. Um, so there was a lot of really good kids who wanted to get involved in, in this um, arena. And, um, you know, we're excited about it. But that's not to say that some days I didn't have to recruit kids from, from lunch tables in order to have a team for Saturday's contest. So um, I was kind of the, the coach um, for my freshman and sophomore year. 
um, printing out EPDs and finding classes on YouTube, um, you know, um, but my junior and senior year, people really got serious about it and, and wanted to be involved. And we, we were pretty competitive, um, in, on, in the FFA competitions, um, there in Ohio. And, and I had mentioned as we started this podcast that, um, I grew up with a basketball coach and my father, um, and he had stopped coaching at this time, but, um, I actually decided that, you know, it probably wasn't best for me to go back and, and play ball in my senior season. Um, it was a very, very tough decision to make. And, and it was even harder to set my dad down and tell him that, you know, I didn't think it was best um, for me to go back. And, and, you know, I'm not saying that it can't be done because, you know, different circumstances, different coaches. Um, but, but for me, you know, it was hard for me to be all in and dedicate to either a, a tournament on a weekend or practice on a weekend to livestock judging contests and, and practices. So it wasn't fair to my teammates. Um, it wasn't fair to myself to stretch myself too thin. And I wanted to be all in on either one. Um, so that's kind of when I realized that I wasn't going to play college ball and, and definitely wasn't going to go pro. Um, and so I, I decided that I wanted to be all in on the livestock judging um, side of things. Um, and the, the, the class before me, um, which Trevor would have been your class, um, mm -hmm. with, you know, Jordan Fletter, John and Hank LeVan, those are two that, um, you know, I, I credit a lot to, um, for opening up my mindset of the, the junior college world being out there. Um, because, you know, a lot of, a lot of you guys, Trevor, um, that year went to junior college. Um, and at that time, you know, I didn't know that, that path was possible uh -huh. um and so that that opened up a new mindset for me and showed me the opportunity was out there um and uh, you know i ended up going to blackhawk um for a visit old harvard on the hill um and as you can imagine dan hogue knocked me off my feet <laughs> um uh i had a great visit there and just one of those special days that you know you'll never forget um he offered me a scholarship and uh at Inkiwani at the Pizza Hut. I'm definitely not a Pizza Hut fan, but <laughs> I think they're a pizza subpar. But that day, I was for sure all Pizza Hut fans. <laughs> um, and at that moment, you know, when when that happens, I was just starstruck. Um, I mean, I'm sure you guys can relate to the feeling of knowing that all the hard work that you had put in and, and all those tough decisions um, that I had to make in order to get to that point, um, that was kind of the start of a new beginning for me. Um, and really enjoyed my time at Blackhawk. You know, it's one of the, um, legacies and, and tradition and history that if you've had the opportunity to be a part of it, you truly understand what it's all about. Um, and if you don't, it's kind of hard to put into words and convey, um, what being a part of BAG and having that on your resume is really like, um, a special time, a lot of good people, Obviously, you two, Trevor and Corey, um, you know, <laughs> okay. in the days that I gave reasons to both of you, um, gosh, so many times. Um, and so after Blackhawk, um, Blake Bloomberg called me and, and uh, tried to get me to, to wear orange and, and visit Oklahoma State. And, you know, as soon as I went to Oklahoma State, Blake and I clicked instantly. 
Um, that dude's one of my best friends, biggest supporters and mentors. And I'm, I'm so fortunate, um, for all that we got to experience together at Oklahoma state. Um, and so that's kind of my judging path in a nutshell. Um, and, and this kind of leads into, um, Jordan's more non-traditional route, but, you know, growing up in Ohio, my family and I, we were always very, um, consistent, I guess would be the word for it. You know, we were always at the top end of our class always on, always knocking on competition's door. Um, but we never cracked off a grand champion state fair banner, um, besides in showmanship. Um, and so, you know, that's something that I always strived for and always wanted. And I was very envious of those who, who got the sale of champions experience. Um, you know, in Ohio, that's, that's what you work for. Get to the Celeste Center. What'd you say? Get to the Celeste Center. Yep, exactly. And, and so that's what you're working for. Um, and, you know, I was pretty bummed um, when when I realized that that wasn't in my cards. Um, and so, but it, it was at that time that I realized that, you know, I had a different story to write. And that's where livestock judging came into play for me. That's where I went to showcase, you know, who Maggie Near was and what she was about. And, and that was kind of my competitive outlet, um, you know, finding something that you're good at and giving it your whole heart. Um, and, and, you know, it's kind of funny to look back because when I went to BHE, I had very little experience in given reasons. Um, you know, in Ohio, it's mainly questions, mm-hmm. um, or at least it was um, when, when we were in high school. Um, and so, you know, that first time when you're a freshman and you're in the auditorium with 75 kids who are well rehearsed and seasoned and given reasons, um, it's, it's pretty intimidating to sit back and, and think like, Oh, wow, we got a lot, we got a long way to go. (laughs) Um, but you know, when I look back, I just realized, and, and it kind of all comes full circle that if you put your head down and just focus and work hard, um, and give it your all and put in the extra time, um, you can make it happen. Um, because I, you know, although I went through the livestock judging, um, path and, 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 you know, did it in high school, did it in junior college, did it in senior college. That was something that I pretty much had to start for myself. Um, you know, I just started it as a freshman in, in FFA and, and got hooked. And, and that's what I was passionate about and became interested in. Um, and so, you know, I've been blessed, you know, to have a successful coll- collegiate career um, and especially in reasons. And so that's why it's, it, it's pretty cool to look back and think, you know, I kind of started from the bottom. Um, and, and build it to, um, what it, what it was. So, well, Maggie, I'll say this. Um, I don't know when this tradition started, but I do know that it was a tradition that maybe Dan didn't realize he was doing, uh, at the time he, it was just maybe, a uh, one of Dan's weird habits that he has, but if he, <laughs> if he takes, if he takes a recruit to pizza hut, they're getting a scholarship. Um, if he, if he, if he stays there on campus and feeds them, whatever is going on on the special that day, um, they might get invited, but you know, now there's a high school senior listening (laughs) and Dan's going to take him to pizza hut and he's going to be all excited and he's not going to get anything. And Corey, you just pissed (laughs) off somebody pretty severely. I'm just saying that's, Uh, that's from what I understand. You blew Dan's uh, cover, Corey. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, see, and the thing is, is. Is like you know his blue his blue pencil theory. I, oh I don't, yeah. I don't know that he realizes he does that with Pizza Hut. I just think it happens. Yeah, 
what's what's the place, Maggie, that you say at Blackhawk is just like the best Italian food ever that you know you spent like Lagandola. all your money? Uh, guys, on three. One, two, three. Lagandola. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Can't forget about Sarah either. Sarah yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> if you ever, so if you're ever listening and you ever pass through Kewanee, Illinois, get a pizza bread at Lagandola. You won't regret it. So that brings us to Jordan with your non traditional side. Yeah. I'm, you know, I, I guess for advice for, for kids or parents tuning in, you know, it, there is no wrong answer on whether you're going to push your uh, kids or, you know, uh, yourself to go whichever avenue uh, you want. I guess if your main purpose or calling in life is to, you know, judge shows uh, like Maggie touched, touched on, you know, quick, you know, just put your head down, nose to the ground and you can accomplish anything you want to in life because, uh, you know, this industry has given me so much and, uh, you know, I'm forever in debt to, to, to it because of it. Um, and, you know, thinking back, you know, uh, when I knew you guys were going to ask this question, um, I, I guess 2006, seven ish, I mean, that's been a long time ago. I'm getting old. Um, you know, was when junior colleges started, uh, recruiting me, I guess. And they were only the coaches at the time that, uh, were sheet people because, you know, I, I never marked a card in high school. I didn't even know what a judging contest was at the time. You know, you could find me, uh, you know, either at a sports event or in the show barn or out looking for, you know, show lambs, uh, and Brad Angus at, uh, Joliet junior college, uh, and Clay Elliott there at Redlands, you know, both had intense conversations with me about, uh, you know, Hey, come judge livestock. And, you know, I thought that was just the coolest thing ever because, uh, you know, in Kentucky, we're kind of on an Island, you know, I don't, you know, there's very few judging teams and, uh, within the state, but I think in, in today's terms and society, it's getting better. Uh, and it's getting to be a norm where, you know, when I was in, uh, high school, you know, we didn't have that. Um, and, but I will say, you know, if, if we had that in our high school or FFA program on a big level, uh, I definitely would have been interest, interested. Uh, but you know, when it came time to start making a college decision, uh, you know, I, I had my parents and, you know, my mentors and my life at the time that, uh, I talked to about it and, you know, I believe it was my dad, I believe. And he said, you know, uh, you just won the biggest show in the country, you know, in Louisville. And, you know, uh, we've won at the, I guess that time five or six state fairs and, you know, they, and they said, are you, do you want to throw that away and give up, you know, three or four more years of, uh, your eligible show career, or do you want to go judge and whatever you're going to do, uh, you're going to do it with everything you have. So if you do go judge, uh, you know, your show career's done and, you know, your brother's gonna, you know, kind of take over who had a younger brother who was uh, two or three years younger than me that, you know, all those lambs were, you know, going to him. Uh, but I had everybody's support. If I wanted to, uh, take that judging route or Avenue and go to Oklahoma or go to Illinois. And, uh, I'm telling you, it took me about two seconds to make that decision because, uh, there was one thing I lived for and that was, uh, to be at a stock show. Uh, and in that show ring, 
and <clears throat> and in the barn. Um, but you know, I believe my last year was 2009. I believe was my last eligible year. Uh, and my brother's was, I think around that 2012 time frame. And I remember Bryce's last year. And I remember sitting in the parking lot there at the expo center at Louisville, because that's, I, that was our last show, uh, that, that signal, uh, signaled the end of the, uh, show season for us, um, and I just remember thinking, you know, I'm done and he's done. You know, what am I going to do now? This is something I've put, you know, 17 years in and given my life to. Like, what's my calling? I remember hoping and praying and just looking at that building like uh, I need some kind of niche or something to bring me back to the industry that's been so good to me and uh, kind of give back a little bit and uh, like I said, I just remember just hoping and praying that something would come to where I felt needed. And cause there's, you guys know this, there's no all-star alumni show circuit out there <laughs> where, where we all can get out in our thirties and forties and, uh, you know, just drive a show pig or get the, you know, the show stick on a, a calf. I mean, there's just not. So, you know, I had judged a, a handful of shows prior to, that that day and i remember that day like it was yesterday i judged a handful of shows prior to that but i remember that i guess a couple months after uh that day in louisville my phone started ringing for the upcoming summer summer show circuits in indiana ohio and illinois and i think i had you know 10 voicemails that i just didn't call people back and i'm like are these people really wanting me to judge like that's for old people. I remember saying that old people have been doing it for a while, but you know, that they have 500 views and, you know, I'm just thinking like, well, maybe that is, you know, an avenue for me to stay involved and, uh, give back to the industry. That's been just so special to me. And, you know, I'm just, I, I remember saying to a couple of buddies, like, I can't do this. It's, it's for all, all you guys that, you know, took those judging classes, I called it and, uh, got taught, you know, the right way and wrong way to do it. And I just remember looking at, at those voicemails, like I either need to do this or call these people back and say, Hey, you need to get somebody more experienced. And I kind of hum hollered around with the, with the first person, like, Hey, I, you know, I don't know if you want this, you know, 24 year old kid from Kentucky to, to judge your Illinois jackpot. And they said, you know, Jordan, we want you to do it. And I just remember thinking, you know, if I'm going to do one, I'm going to, uh, try to try to say yes to as many as I can. And, you know, I did that. And that just kind of led me to places that I never thought that I would be at and stages that, you know, that I never thought I'd be on. And, you know, just, you know, I referenced Iowa and Illinois state fair and, you know, man, that, I remember walking up to Iowa State Fair. I, I had my my rental car and I had my my monster in my hand. And I remember walking up and looking at the place where I would always stand every summer and just try to figure out, you know, what a good one was. And you know, try to figure out like, hey, we got to show that against that one in here three or four months. And uh, we either need to buy something or just not show because we can't beat that one. And, you know, I went to those state fairs growing up when, you know, I had my driver's license to uh, figure out where the industry was and, you know, what the idea of a special show lamb was. And uh, for me 
you know, get my opportunity to come back and eventually judge those things. Like that was pretty special to me. And, um, to kind of wrap up this question and land the plane, you know, I'm a big advocate, uh, and, and so envious of, uh, you know, you three that are, uh, on this call because you guys went out and, uh, experienced, uh, the real world as far as networking and all the opportunities that, uh, has came into your guys' lives because, uh, you know, the circle I'm involved in, you know, you know, it's an older crowd, uh, because, you know, I really didn't get to correspond with the youngsters or people my age, uh, if you will, that shared the same passion. And, you know, I look at, uh, you know, Maggie's friend group and it's from, you know, here to California to Texas to, you know, feels like Asia sometimes. And she's always saying, you know, Hey, I judge with them or against them. And I think that's the coolest thing ever. And, uh, you know, I'm very jealous and envious of her. And, you know, I, I think a lot of, uh, the, the judging circuit and the judging programs and, and how, uh, you know, it can better you as a livestock person, but I'm telling you, it's done so much for, uh, each and every one of the, the kids that has went through that program, uh, in the big game of life, as far as, uh, not only finding those careers, but, uh, those life lessons that, you know, you can take day in and day out to whatever job you have. But, uh, you know, I guess on my side, you know, I, you know, you just always, uh, have to have a goal or a, a vision in mind and not be afraid to step outside of the box. And, you know, if you get the opportunity to, you know, to get asked to, to judge even the smallest shows, you know, say yes and have some confidence because, uh, you know, in a time and a place with in the industry, not necessarily the uh, the show lambs, but and every species where uh, judges are you know hard to find. Uh, sometimes a breath of fresh air is a good thing. So uh, I guess to those parents that are wondering the the right answer as far as uh, what to do with their kids, or you know, listeners that you know might be trying to make those uh, college decisions. Uh, there is no right or wrong answer. I would just go with your gut. And, you know, if, if your main concern is to judge a show, uh, you can do it no matter which avenue that you choose to go for to just make your college decision or uh, your decisions going forward based on uh, your, I, I guess, where you're at and your uh, goal for uh, what you want to do uh, in the game of life versus whether or not you want to judge a show. So that's kind of uh, my viewpoint on that. You know, you know, there's no right or wrong answer as far as uh, the traditional or non-traditional route to uh, step inside and step on some wood chips and get handed a cordless microphone. Well, um, that's a perfect segue into the next question I want to cover um, because, you know, you are kind of one of the, you know, you, you date yourself a little bit and yeah, you're probably a little older than, than us, but not by much. And, and, you know, when you talk about um, some of these younger guys and gals wanting to judge shows uh, you've been one of those uh, that's starting to get more calls um, here recently, especially. And uh, one of those I saw um, is uh, getting an opportunity just to sort the, uh, the show there in Reno, um, uh, which is exciting. I would, I would think so. Um, 
you know, what are kind of some of those, uh, some of those highlights that you've done? You mentioned Illinois and, and Indiana or, uh, sorry, Iowa, excuse me, but, um, you know, talk about being a younger guy, getting some, some shows on a bigger stage. Um, what's, what goes into that, you know, as, uh, especially as a person that, that didn't go through the judging ranks. You know, it's been, like I talked about, it's been such a crazy ride, that it's just, you know, mind blowing to even start, you know, thinking about like where you started and where you are currently. And, you know, I I was just so pumped that you guys called me a younger generation. And, you know, that's been the, probably the, the best thing I've heard in a little bit, but, you know, uh, you know, I guess I'm a, little bit older than you guys i'm going on 32 years old and um you know felt like there at that time frame that 2011 2012 when i first started getting a handful of calls i felt like i was saying yes when i decided i was going to accept these things and i i was judging you know the smallest of shows that uh you know a two acre lot that you could fit a show ring and a corn dog stand in it seemed like i was saying yes to and i was going there you know back to back years and uh, you know, year after year, you know, along came the, you know, the circuit shows and, you know, the county shows that, uh, you always saw advertised. And, you know, I just thought that was the coolest thing ever, you know, like, uh, you know, Hey, I even showed at this Indiana circuit show, uh, being from Kentucky. And I mean, I, I, I'm getting the opportunity to judge that, you know, I just, I was like a little kid in the candy store. And, you know, uh, like we talked about, you know, I didn't have, uh, you know, I, I didn't take those judging classes in college to, that allows me to do that. And, um, I just thought that was pretty neat at the time. And, you know, I, that led me to, you know, judge those summer shows and fall shows and get to Texas and get to the West coast. And, uh, you know, uh, I think it was the year 2015, uh, I got the call for Iowa state fair uh, weathers, the Illinois state fair weathers, Nebraska state fair weathers. And, uh, that was all within 17 days that wow. I got to judge those three, three state fairs. And, uh, you know, I think I was 27 years old at the time. And, uh, I got thrown into the sharks pretty quickly. Uh, just, you know, I touched base on it in the prior question. Like, uh, you know, I, I know each species or industry has, you know, those shows that are special or, uh, more important to the industry, but, uh, you know, for the show lamb deal, that, that Illinois state fair and Iowa state fair, you know, I consider those the Taj Mahals and I know other people, uh, have the same mindset as I do is just far as, you know, being one of the, uh, being two of the state fairs that the industry always pays attention to and being 27 years old and getting the, uh, invite to do that, uh, and do that. I think it was in two, between two days of each other uh, that's a, that's a moment in my life I'll never forget. And I'm forever thankful. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, great friends with, uh, two important people in my life, Brandon Davis and Brennan North. And I've been in a group chat with them for, I think feels like 10 years. And I think one of them, I forget who, who said it, but, you know, they, right before I judged that show, one of them said, you know, uh, you're getting ready to go on a run judging these things. And they said, enjoy it and do not step off the treadmill uh, on the run. You're getting ready to go on. And that stuck with me. It just, uh, you know, well, that, kinda was, that wasn't a fat them. joke. That was, uh, that was not a fat joke. Okay. Luckily, uh, <laughs> I was pretty lean and mean at the time, but if you wanted to call it a, a probably a chubby boy joke right now, you probably, <laughs> you probably could, but um, you know, they were, they were right. You know, uh, you know, uh, on into 2016, I, 
I, I was invited back to Iowa and then it just kind of, you know, crescendoed from there. You know, I've uh, been at that Tennessee state expo, the, the U show at Illinois back to the uh, Iowa state fair, the belt buckle bonanza, uh, the West Virginia state fair. And I think probably, you know, the, the toughest thing I've ever had to do is that showmanship deal at Louisville. Uh, man, that, that was just, I, I know I visited with Corey about it after that deal. That's just uh, getting thrown into uh, deep waters real quick. And, you know, I don't know uh, what kind of experience or age that you have to have to do that or make you qualified, but I think it'd be a challenge to anybody to, to, to sort that many good kids and uh, f- feel like you did it right. Uh, oh there's just gosh. so many, <laughs> there's just so many good showmen out there. And, uh, you know, I always say I can talk livestock Tom blue in the face, but, you know, uh, to get picky on a showmanship style that, really isn't wrong uh that's hard and you know i I enjoyed that deal uh, so much uh and i'm I'm forever thankful for that so i kind of want to talk about reno because that's going to be a little bit different different environment that you've been in probably just from the standpoint of you're now sorting livestock that are going to be sold um you know and, and bought by by folks across the country people that that you know that show's known for for some pretty uh, prestigious livestock coming out of it. So, um, you know, some donors of the year, um, some bucks that are, that are pretty well known that have been coming out of that, that specific event. So, um, you know, what was it like when you got that call? You know, uh, I believe it was on a Sunday, wasn't it Maggie, where Dan Willoughby texted me and said, uh, Hey Jordan, give me a call. And I had no clue what that was going to be about. And, you know, we both sit on the committee uh, there for the, the show lamb show at the North American. And, you know, I thought he just wanted to chat about, you know, the, the North American show, which is awesome. I I've got the most respect for Dan and, uh, you know, we kind of chatted about that, but he's like, you know, Hey, I'm calling to, you know, see if you want to come out to Reno and, uh, line that thing up. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a very goal oriented person and I've got, you know, on my notes app on my phone, I've got, what I call bucket list shows that no matter what you're doing, uh, you say yes to. And, you know, that's, that was number four, uh, for me, Reno or Sedalia. And, uh, you know, that was a quick yes. And uh, I'm so excited to get out there and, uh, to judge that thing. And, you know, you know, you wanted to talk about the differences in them and, uh, that Reno deal of what Dan and Carol, Carol's been able to do and their, and their staff, uh, in just a short amount of time of, uh, there's a lot of money being spent, but outside of that, there's some great animals that go in and out of that show ring setting. And, uh, I think more and more times than not, there's, uh, breeders that are willing to let go, uh, of those special animals for that event, uh, because of, uh, the buyers, because of what that sale's known for. Uh, and I, I guess, you know, every, uh, spectrum of the, the show circuit for, you know, goats or cattle or pigs. They always have one of those show and sell events that, uh, are the big stage. And, you know, that's the big stage for the sheep people now. So I'm delighted and, uh, very excited to, to get out there. Uh, but, you know, I guess, you know, you wanted to talk about the differences between, you know, judging a state fair or, you know, uh, uh, lining up a sale order. Uh, no, there's no difference for me. I think the good ones 
will always go up top and, you know, you always have to line them up uh, accordingly to, to how you value them, regardless of, uh, you know, their breeding value. Uh, but I guess the only difference is for me, you know, the, the audience's perspective, I think has to change and, uh, they have to, you know, be aware that, Hey, I could run a good one fifth. Uh, but that one I run fifth could have a, a greater value for that breeder, uh, versus the one I'm going to name your champion because they might have a, a buck or you at home, uh, that they can feel comfortable with protecting that one, uh, and that one's flaws and they could come out smelling like a rose. So uh, I think the only difference between uh, lining up a, uh, a state fair weather show or a state fair you show versus uh, dictating a sale order is the audience's perspective uh, and just being open-minded uh, that, hey, you know, that one in fourth or fifth is more valuable to me in my breeding program versus uh, the one Jordan decided was uh, the champion of the show. Mm-hmm. Sure. Maggie, is there going to be, are you going to be putting any pressure on Jordan to, uh, to uh, at least experience some of the casino or, or is all the money going to get dumped into a, to a future donor? Mm, You know, Corey, if I had to bet, I I mean, I know I'm going for the future donor. (laughs) (laughs) He can play the slot machines if if he wants, but I'd rather bet my money on a donor. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good answer. Well, good answer. Corey, let's jump into another segment. Social smash. Well, how about that? Brought to you by Brad Hal Ford. Social Smash is an event that we thoroughly enjoy talking about, but if you ever happen to smash that truck up on your way to a show, especially with these icy road conditions, you never know about these drivers around you. Go ahead and head to Brad Hal Ford in Kokomo, Indiana, because it will be time to upgrade to a new truck to cruise into that next show. You don't even have to smash your truck to go into Brad Halford because they have award-winning customer service that will lead you in the right direction on your next vehicle purchase. Folks, let's talk pet peeves. Maggie, you sent me a hilarious uh, GIF, GIF. I don't know what the kids call them nowadays. It's the little short video of people. It's it's hilarious stuff. Anyway, uh, you sent me one because you didn't know uh, just how, uh, what direction you were going to go. So I'm curious to hear the direction <laughs> you decided to go in our famous segment, social smash well you know uh anytime i get the opportunity to share my favorite quote um i'm definitely going to do that um and that is that a lion doesn't have to tell you that it's a lion um you know be humble and and let hard work and success um be your noise and, and tell your story um and you know that that's one thing and then you know, I agree with Brad Hook's episode in this regard, um, but I, you know, in, in regards to Photoshop, but I think there's a, a, another completely different side of it um, that, you know, I think has kind of gotten out of hand, um, it, at least in, in our opinion. Um, and, you know, it, it's not benefiting or helping anyone in, in our industry. Um and, you know, everyone's zooming into pictures, they see it, they can figure it out. You know, I, I guess my thing would just be my pet peeve is to just, it, just have some integrity. Um, and, you know, save yourself and save your image, pun intended. <laughs> right. <laughs> Love it. Wow. Pun intended. 
And I guess uh, I can kind of echo a little bit on what Maggie said. And, uh, you know, I guess our, you know, age difference uh, uh, kind of comes into play because, you know, Maggie, you know, and, and you guys as well, you know, uh, even in high school, you guys had access to social media. And uh, for me, you know, I didn't get Facebook until I think it was a sophomore year in college and it was mandatory for a class. <laughs> Um, so, so I, yeah, that kind of dates me a little bit, but, um, you know, I was, I was very new to it in college and now it just seems like, you know, uh, every kid or somebody in the younger generation that knows how to work a phone, uh, has every platform of social media. And I guess, uh, you know, not picking on that generation because it, it also, uh, can be, uh, hit on for the, for the older generation as well that, I think there's the negativity or the mindset in the younger generation, or like I said, even adults, uh, I guess is just mind blowing to me. And, you know, I, I'm not saying that's a right or wrong way, but, you know, I kind of call myself a, a, an old soul because I, I didn't have the access to, uh, you know, Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or Snapchat when I was growing up. And, you know, I just remember at these big, you know, live auctions or national shows, just being that sponge that, uh, we talked about prior and soaking up knowledge uh, around those people that are uh, in the older generations that are uh, the forefathers that, you know, are famous and, you know, have been so success successful, excuse me, in the industry, you know, just picking like your hand, Mike Hancock's brains and spending time with Clay Elliott, his farm and uh, the Bruce Akers, the Brad Dales, the, you know, I remember spending time with Brad and Jeff Ellerbrock going through their sheep, uh, you know, and probably one of my fondest memories is like, uh, you know, I idolized Cash and Urban growing up because, you know, I don't think that kid ever lost a show and he's three or four years older than me. And I remember one year for Christmas, all I wanted was to uh, go to Bradley and Brian Johnson's and find my show lamb. And, you know, uh, that was my Christmas presents. And, you know, we flew to I think it was 2003, we flew to go to Bo, Oklahoma and, you know, spent time with Bradley and Brian and, uh, you know, they took down pictures of Cashin in their, uh, in their room there and just kind of uh, told me, you know, what made each and every one of those national show, uh, show winners special. Uh, and that kind of sticks out to me. And to me, you don't see that in the younger generation, uh, being that sponge, soaking up the knowledge that uh, all these industry legends have. And, you know, for me, I see too much of that, uh, generation going to these county shows or, uh, going to these circuit jackpot shows and state shows, and they expect to be famous. And once they don't get famous, uh, I think they're quick to run to social media, uh, and air out their dirty laundry and complaints and wonder why they didn't win or, you know, wondering why, you know, uh, this happened and that didn't, but I'm here to tell you, you know, uh, an Instagram filter can do wonders. Uh, but one thing an Instagram filter can't do is hide your hustle. So, oh, yeah. uh, I don't know if there's, uh, you know, the hard work's not getting done at home, but, uh, there's more avenues to knowledge than just, uh, going to social media. So I strongly encourage, you know, kids and breeders and, uh, parents that, yeah, if you don't reach your goals, you know, seek out to somebody that maybe is because, uh, you're quick to find that, you know, people like sharing knowledge and are acceptable to helping people. Oh yeah. Mm. No, I, I love the filter deal. That's, uh, that's something people need to, to take note of. 
uh, can't hide the hustle with a Instagram filter. So um, it was. Uh, I, I've I've found out. I, so I just got the new iPhone uh, because my old one kind of went to crap, uh, and I was unaware of this screen time uh, thing that you can do. So if you go on your phone and you could look at accessibility or whatever and and see how much time you're spending on your phone in certain areas, and uh, I would I would hate to see someone's uh, of a generation that's you know let's say like. 16 right now what their screen time is on social media uh in a day oh yeah just I'm based sure. on oh, yeah you know, what i see on and, my and own. you know a lot of my work i do on on my phone um so it's kind of hard to you know i i guess you can tell by each app which which one you spend your time on yeah um but like i get that notification like every sunday of how much screen time you spend and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is embarrassing. Like, <laughs> I, I can't spend this much of my life. But but I'm I'm happy to say that last week I was down 17% on my screen time. So I feel nice. like I'm really accomplishing something. <laughs> making making gains. Uh, yeah, right. That's awesome. No, well, really, if you think about season starting. <laughs> yeah, I I had a conversation. But, uh, I had a conversation with some some folks at a work conference I was at a couple weeks ago about screen time. And uh, at the time, I couldn't see it on my phone because I had the old iPhone. But anyway, um, it, it was interesting because, you know, this guy, you know, he was talking to me. He's like, I spend 45 minutes a day on Facebook. And in retrospect, I know I spend way more than that on Facebook, probably just given the, you know, managing social media for Edge Club Lambs and, and whatever right. else. But anyways, um, you think about, you know, what could I what could I have done in those 45 minutes to be a better person? to, you know, uh, network with somebody to, to have a real conversation with someone. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of crazy mm-hmm. to think about that kind of stuff. So, um, Maggie, I, I want to, we're going to switch gears here. I, I want to talk about some nutrition stuff before we wrap up. Um, because, you know, we're kind of in full swing of laming season here in the Midwest. And, uh, uh, you know, I kind of want to talk best practices, when it comes to nutrition on getting kind of those used back at it, uh, post lambing. And then after that, let's talk about getting sheep ready for selling season. For sure. Um, you know, I don't want this to be sales pitchy, um, by any stretch of the means, but you know, I'm here to tell you that we couldn't do what we do, um, at Amberge genetics without those purple tubs. Um, and, I can, you know, I, I can I know second that, that. shameless plug. <laughs> Yeah, right. Shameless plug. Um, and, you know, I work with a lot of people day in and day out um, that would share success stories of how they've impacted their operation. Um, and, you know, it's so cool to see um, week after week you get texts and, and Clay gets texts like, you know, hey, our conception rate's this, uh, our percent lamb crop's this, um, you know, and just how it's helped so many people in the industry. Um I think it is pretty fascinating and it, and it's a, it's a revolutionary product and there's no other one like it out on the market. Um, so, so know, for I, those, for those that don't know what it is, let's tell them about it a little bit. So and and, it, I, and um, I'll also tell you what they are. They're freaking heavy. So make sure you have somebody out there that can help you <laughs> set them out. I can uh, to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Um, the, the Purina animal nutrition, um, Accuration, high fat sheep and goat tubs, um, otherwise known as the purple tubs. Um, if you follow Clay Elliott on Facebook, I'm sure you see and hear all about them. Um, 
they have a big following and, and it's pretty neat to see. And I don't know if you, Corey, are in some of those like club lamb pages and show oh, yeah. lamb pages on Facebook. Um, but if you just read through the comments, man, I mean, it's, it's crazy um, seeing everybody's experience with them. Um, and, you know, I think the biggest um, thing is just keeping those used in a consistent nutrition program. Um, you know, making sure they have what they need at all times. Um, that product um, balances out what they can't get from forage um, So uh, and, and feed stuff. So, you know, when we're feeding grass hay, um, the intake is higher versus when um, we're now feeding alfalfa in, in the lambing jugs. And so, you know, your intake depends on forage quality, um, which is pretty neat because it, it gives you some reassurance that a ewe is not going to go um, without what she really needs. Um, and, and uh, you know, it feeds those rumen microbes, keeps everything functioning at a high level. It's a high fat tub, which, you know, fat is the precursor for cholesterol when we're talking about breeding um, and hormones and, you know, getting those used to, to um, conceive and get everything functioning right. Um, it kind of just, it makes everything, it makes life so much easier. Um, and, you know, when, when you're talking about, you know, post lambing, post weaning, um, you know, once those ewes have done, have done their job and, and we've weaned those babies off, you know, it's natural for everybody to kick them out to pasture and, and just kind of say, you know, good luck. See you when it's time to get ready to do this thing again. Um, and then, you know, you bring those girls in and you're just like, almost panicking at, you know, oh my gosh, their body condition has really slacked off. Uh, we got a lot of ground to cover in a short amount of time. Um, you know, and it's that constant up and down in nutrition, you know, you bring them in, you hand feed them, you kick them out, you let them go, bring them in, play catch up, you know, so, so those tubs, what they do is it keeps them in consistent, consistent nutrition, um, you know, and, and at a half pound intake per head per day, um, depending on forage quality, you know, it's a lot cheaper to do that versus pouring the feed to them, um, playing catch up and, um, you know, let alone keeps everything functioning at a high level and, and keeps them looking good, keeps them happy. And, and, you know, I remember when, um, I had just graduated and came back to Kentucky, um, and really started focusing on the nutrition of, you know, what this was before we claimed that Ambergie Genetics, but this was, you know, the start of Ambergie Genetics. And, and, you know, we were flushing, um, you know, two, two donors at the time. And man, when it came time for flush day, we, we left Tad Thompson with one egg and a recip. Mm. And, and that was hard. That was, <laughs> that was hard. I mean, there's a lot of um, things that go into play. Um, luck being the biggest one, I think, I think it's luck and then nutrition, um, uh, when it comes to embryo transfer and, and ET work. But, um, you know, that's when a light bulb moment went off that, you know, we really need to start paying attention, um, to a nutrition program. Um, and it just so happens that that's right when I, you know, kind of got on with Purina. Um, but, you know, I, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to say the egg counts that we've had the past few years because next year, um, I know it'd bite me in the butt, but, um, it's a lot better than one egg. I'll tell you that. And, you know, if things you, you can tell just by looking at the use, you know, if they have the minerals, um, vitamins, you know, we brought some use in, um, that have been out, you know, 
in, in the rugged parts of um, United States of Texas and Oklahoma. And then they come back to the bluegrass and they start eating forage and, and just seeing what vitamins and minerals and, um, you know, a good steady nutrition program where, you know, we, we like to take good care of things here um, in Kentucky. So they probably get fed more than maybe what they need to. We like to eat. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we take care of them. And, and it just so happens that selling feeds what kind of keeps things going around here, um, at, at least um, for half of us, um, pays the bills. And so um, it's kind of neat to get to experience with um, and, and experiment uh, those new products and, and kind of the things that um, Purina's putting out there for the sheep and goat world. I, I think it's pretty cool uh, to have a company that focuses so much on um, the small ruminant nutrition, um, especially when we're talking about commercial and production. Hmm. So, okay, we got, we got to touch on um, getting some sheep ready for selling season because I know um, right now this is the exciting time where like all those breeding decisions are kind of coming to <laughs> to uh to a head almost literally um and you know you get get the opportunity to see you know how those decisions pan out and then you got to think of okay how am i going to get these things in the right hands uh i think the first step is getting them at a good start with with getting ready uh to prep those sheep to sell um you know if you're justin nathan and selling them out of jugs at week old you know whatever that's fine thanks justin for that insight i'm jealous um but 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 if you're not and you're and you're one of those you know you have an open house or you've got uh uh, some some target sales that you want to live sales that you want to participate in what what are some uh some uh tricks without giving the whole playbook away that that you guys have have seen work so i'm gonna let Jordan kind of handle this topic because he's my biggest critic um, when it comes to nutrition. And, you know, if, if we're going to try something, uh, it better work or else, you know, we won't be doing it again. Um, so I'm kind of going to let him cover, you know, what we've seen work um, here at Amberge Genetics and, and kind of some, um, some things that we've done here. Well, I, I hope you, you boys can understand why I don't deal on the nutrition side of things because half of the words that Maggie said, I can't understand on a piece of paper, let alone even come close to pronouncing right. So uh, when she says she has an idea, most, you know, 100% of the time, uh, I believe her and trust her. But, uh, you know, I, I am her biggest critic. And, you know, just stating back to last year where uh, we had hardly, you know, any boy sheep alive to sell and uh you know we weathered them all and you know when it time you know when our phone started ringing like hey we want we're in the area we want to come look how are you selling them it's just uh you know how do how do you be fair when you know the weathers that you have to offer uh really are exponential as far as uh, numbers go so we just kind of uh made the path that we're gonna uh take four of them up to midwest elite and I told Maggie, you know, I was like, Hey, this creep feed's important. And she goes, well, I know what we're going to feed. And I kind of gave her that, that death stare, like, Hey, you know, I've done my job on the breeding decisions. Uh, this is your baby. Now. Uh, I don't want these things to go off feed. I want them to look like, you know, champions from day one to the, to the day they sell and get a new, new home. And, uh, you know, uh, I was very, very pleased with how things, uh, fed out and how they turned out, uh, the health on those sheep, uh, was probably, uh, 
what I was most impressed with as far as their intake uh, and what they were consuming day in on day out. And I think we were on the EXP 15% creep that uh, Honor Show Chow has out. And, uh, you know, I, I don't like fat baby sheep. Uh, I obviously don't like skinny sheep. And I think that uh, creep feed did a, a excellent job of just uh, kind of getting them fat enough, uh, but not making them uh, too chubby uh, for the buyers going forward uh, to accomplish their goals. So, uh, you know, as far as the nutrition, I, you know, as a whole, not necessarily getting them ready for sales. Uh, you know, I am Maggie's biggest critic and, you know, uh, I can be hard on her, but heck, I don't know the answer. You know, uh, like I said, I was just a, uh, Kentucky hillbilly that doesn't know anything about the nutrition as far as, uh, what these use and sale babies need. You know, I'm, I'm, I was a show weather guy and, uh, you know, I, I think that stuff that we've imp- implemented uh, from our breeding program to get these sales sheep ready is, uh, has paid dividends as far as in the uh, embryo transfer room and live auctions. Hmm. Yeah, it's gotcha. always it's always fascinating. I mean, no matter what your livestock, uh, what species it is, they've got to come off, you know, weaning and get to that sale point as quickly as possible and as efficiently as possible. So I think everybody has their own way of doing it. It's just a matter of executing that plan. But um, no, I I appreciate you guys uh, letting us into some of that. So uh, the infamous last question, if you uh, listeners noticed, uh, Mr. Corey Edge took two in a row just so I could be stuck with the last one. Uh, so thanks, bud. But um, the last question, as you guys know, where do you see this livestock deal going in five years? You know, that's a, that's a question that's loaded for bear. And I know Maggie and I, on the, we kind of ran it a little bit on the, the negative sides of, of social media. But, uh, you know, it's really pleasant to get to wrap up with some positivity because I think that's the biggest virtue, not only uh, in the stock show world, but life is to be that positive influence. And, uh, you know, for as many times as everybody wants to be negative about uh, any aspect uh, of the stock show world, I, I think there's so many positives going forward. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, involvement, and I know Maggie wants to touch on that, so I won't steal her thunder there, but uh, the folks that are remaining involved within the industry uh, are in it for the longevity of it. And, you know, that's a blessing. Uh, whether it's the the feed and animal nutrition companies, uh, the stock show supply groups, the show managements at state and national levels, uh, from Walton Webcasting, Show Barn Flicks, to all the different sales sites, and even you guys with stock show, uh, or, or you know your guys' podcast or stock talk podcast. Um, you guys are in it for the longevity and I can promise you, uh, Trevor and Corey, you, you guys could probably find something else to do, uh, with your time other than this, if you really wanted to, but you know, this is your guys' uh, passion. What gets you guys out of bed and, uh, doing this thing. Um, you bet. and you know, like the, the how in debt all those companies are to the youth that are showing livestock right now, uh, is astronomical. And I think, uh, going forward, what those companies are doing to, to better the industry and better these kids, I think there'll always be a place uh, for stock shows. And, uh, and I think to summarize this in five years, it's going to be nothing but better uh, than what we're doing right now. And, you know, positive changes are, are coming. And, and I think everybody involved is doing great things. 
Love it. Yeah, I, I mean, I would agree with that wholeheartedly um, and, and just echo off, you know, we just got to keep the youth involved, keep them excited, find things that get them, you know, pumped up and want to be a part of this and, and showcase them. Um, you know, this people who choose to do this, this is this is their sport. This is their life. This is what they do. Um, so, you know, it starts from a 4-H and FFA program, um, you know, even getting those more non-traditional kids involved, you know, um, just any way to really uh, give back and mentor to the youth in order to keep it going forward. Um, tell your story about what this livestock industry has given you, you know, networking. Um, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't have the job that I had if I wasn't involved in livestock um, showing, um, you know, judging. I, I wouldn't have met my husband if it wasn't for, um, you know, <laughs> showing livestock. And, and so many people can say that, um, you know, that's, that's a norm in our industry. And so I think, you know, just tell your story, um, you know, don't sit back and, and watch it all happen be an advocate for it, um, pour in positivity to it and just encourage others to be a part of it. Um, and, and I agree it's, it'll all be positive going forward. If, you know, there's so many great changes happening, um, currently that I wish that I could have had. Um, and I know Jordan wishes he could have had, um, when, when we were of, of age in, in our show career. So I just encourage people to keep doing what they're doing and, you know, keep rowing this boat forward ah well i'm not sure row the boat is the right uh phrase to use after minnesota just beat ohio state but i'll let it slide <laughs> no i we've had we've had like five inches of rain all day today so we're uh, trying to figure out how we're going to go eat supper so we might have to get a boat out and yeah row there up. you go and what well, we have five inches of snow here in indiana so could be worse. <laughs> no, I I love your guys' answers. I, I couldn't agree more. I think as long as this still is positive and uplifting and focused around the youth, uh, we've got nowhere to go but up. So um, awesome stuff, guys. I appreciate you jumping on with us uh, and uh, letting you uh, share your knowledge and your story with the listeners and ourselves. And um, we're approaching an hour and a half of really awesome content. Are you surprised? My husband likes to talk a lot. Oh, I love it. It's good stuff. <laughs> no, I, I told him, I was like, are you going to, are we going to have the longest episode on the Doc Talk podcast? Um, no, but, but thanks guys for having us. Um, you know, it means a lot to um, listen to this podcast and, and think back to those times that, you know, Corey, Trevor and I sat in the auditorium of BHE together. And, and, you know, I, I, I reached out to uh, Corey to tell him like, Hey, you know, awesome stuff that you guys are doing. So, um, we're, we're proud and, and humbled to be a part of this and, and thanks for having us and kind of letting us share, um, a little bit more about us and Amber genetics. So thank you guys. Well, it's, uh, wrapping up 2019 and I will say the sheep power of the couple of the year goes to Jordan, Maggie, and Bergie. make it live worldwide for people to hear. We appreciate you guys joining us folks listening, follow us. If you haven't already, uh, we're social media heavy. Every anywhere that you can uh, pick up a device and follow people, we are on it. Uh, we we are not Visco girls. I don't. I just learned about a Visco girl was uh, here last week. So don't add us there because the, you, you won't find us. 
What's a visco girl? Uh, apparently, it's a trend that happened in the '90s, back when you were uh, 20 years old, Jordan. And uh, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's it a trend, I, I guess. You know, uh, f- something about a hydro flask and scrunchies and wearing Crocs and oversized T-shirts. Uh, it's a trend that's <laughs> taken hold here in the younger generation. Hey, Jordan wears Crocs. Crocs. Dude, I, I wear Crocs around, too. So I, I take a uh, personal threat to that. So I do. I do too. Uh, I wear Crocs. I guess, but we're only part Visco. We're not. We haven't gone full full into Visco girl status. So we're okay. <laughs> The one thing that I'll let you go, do you wear the Crocs and two wheel or four wheel drive? Well, it depends on what I'm doing. Okay. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm grilling, I'm, I'm in two wheel. If I'm, uh, if I got to go dump feed real fast, I strap it in four. Uh, if I don't have time to get, (laughs) get the boot slid on. So Mm -hmm. I like it. Yep. Yep. So folks, this has been a great episode. Yes. Thank you. Hope uh, hope everybody enjoyed this. Follow us, uh, like Corey said, stocktalk-podcast.com. We finally got more sweatshirts in. Uh, we sold out pretty quickly. Uh, don't have many. We just got enough to uh, patch the holes, per se. So get there quickly before Christmas. I will ship them as soon as you order them, and we can get them underneath the tree if that's where you're headed with them. So thanks for listening, guys. You guys are awesome. We love each one of you. This has been another edition of Stock Talk. Gotta go.